All right, Seb. Seb Little, I am. Uh, it's about time. We talked a couple months ago, and I talked to you because everyone in the world told me I needed to talk to you. And when I was done talking to you, I knew why they said that. <laughs> so it's it's really good to get you on a podcast. I, I've heard you on other podcasts, and they were just really well heard on my end. I, you know, I really related to a lot of things you said. And then I looked you up. I was like, okay, who is this guy? What are we doing here? You know, who am I talking to? What's this dude look like? First picture I pull up, you are absolutely yoked in this (laughs) Yale football picture that's on your website. I mean, you were jacked. (laughs) He used to say I'd eat a few you? cheeseburgers. Yeah. yeah. How tall no are you? You were tight end, right? I was tight end. So, I mean, yeah. I came here as a wide receiver. Um, okay. So, you know, small, nimble, fast. Um, yeah. And there was some transition point in which the dining hall and I became very close. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I ended up with my hand on the ground blocking people that are, you know, much bigger than the people I was used to before. And I ended up mm-hmm. as a tight end. So the transition, it worked well in the end, but it was not a, it was not welcomed at first. Because of the adjustment you had to make. Yeah. It was just like all these people want to eat my head off and everywhere yeah. else. I was the bigger one on the, like I was bigger elsewhere. Uh-huh. Like there yeah. were physical advantages that I lost when I got in the trenches, but mm-hmm. it was not, it was, it was awful. And I, I joke about it, but it was, um, yeah, there there was a point in which I was much larger than I am right now. <laughs> I, I could tell. <laughs> I could tell. How much did you? How much did you weigh at, at your at the I, most? I got up to two forty three. Really? God, I yeah. thought you were like two seventy five or something. No, because I'm only I'm only six six foot six foot one. So I'm not. I don't. Okay. I don't have the. That was a good camera angle. Yeah, because you look. No doubt. You look way bigger. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. Um, how old are you? 26. Okay. I don't normally ask that kind of thing, you know, but I think it's all relevant in this conversation because of uh, where you are in the, in the world of, uh, you know, mental performance, leadership, cultural change, all that. It, that's significant. And coming from Yale a couple of years ago, playing D one football, that's significant. And, just hearing your story, hearing people talk about you, it's 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 pretty impressive. So that needs to be heard. Um. Yeah, and I and I enjoyed our first conversation quite a bit. And like I said earlier, before we first started talking, it was like you know, there's a lot of people that want to be a part of your world in some way. I don't think no one knows how to do that yet, um, except for to hire you. Or. <laughs> You know, be at grandma's house and watch watching shows right now. Well, uh, I will I will say this, man. I I was um. There's people that you you come across that are like just kindred spirits, mm-hmm. and I like I put you in that category. Like we, you texted me. It was a Thursday afternoon, um, and you said, "Hey, man, um, you know, it's Adam. You know, would love to talk to you about you know one of the roles we got and uh, hear more about you." And we were on the phone like a half an hour later. We had a, like a 25 minute conversation. And I just remember walking away from the conversation and be like, man, like, I, I hope, I hope we stay in touch and I hope we get to know him more. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because you know some of your story that you were sharing, it was just it was uh, it was heartfelt. It was just like a it was an awesome connection. So I'm just pumped to be I'm pumped to be linked up with you right now. Just just chatting, man. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's, good. it's really good. Mutual. Um, man, I I think I had a plan for how to start this, but I don't even really know how to start this. Just because, you know, there's a lot to a lot to work through here. Uh, I'm not worried. Yeah, I <laughs> maybe I should. Maybe I should be. That might be better off. But I'm not worried. (laughs) The one thing that comes to mind and what I I've heard about you is your energy. And it's apparent just like seeing you and how you move and stuff and um hearing you talk. Is that was that just have you always had a lot of energy going into whatever it was, football, personal life? Is that just something that's normal for you? Yeah, you know, it's it's always been it's just always been how I moved through the world. You know, I think it's gotten more authentic. Um, never that it was fake, but I think a lot of it was, um, it was generated, generated to be, to use in performance. Like I would generate in order to be on, you know, on the field on Saturdays, I'd be getting the crowd involved. And there's this idea of like, um, you know, it's always been a very reciprocal thing, but it's been, it was something that I would really have to like get going. I think where I'm coming from now and the connections that I'm making now are, uh, they're far more organic. So the energy that I'm bringing to the world is much more like in alignment with who I am and who I want to be in the world, which for me is, it ultimately ends up being, um, it's less taxing overall. Mm -hmm. Like when you're, when you're, when you have to like separate or when you have to like perform in that way and you just get to be yourself and show up, Mm -hmm. it's far more, um, you actually get a lot more back. You're, you're putting less in, but you're getting more back. Did you have that when you were playing? Did you have that sort of authenticity when you're when you're in college? Yeah, but it didn't always connect with everybody. You know, I, I look back to um, something that still is like sometimes tough to talk about, which is I didn't get capped in my senior year, and I think a big part of it was that I didn't have enough um, or deep enough authentic relationships with everybody on my team because who I would show up with in practice and games it sometimes felt like, oh, he's forcing the positive talk. It was almost positive, like toxic positivity, what you would call it. It wasn't, but you could put it more in that type of category versus like true authentic optimism. Um, I naturally lean that way already. Uh, but I think it was, uh, some of it was me trying again, trying to like, trying to generate for it versus it coming really naturally. Hmm. I think that's a tough part thing in college sports is it's, I can't even imagine in football but in baseball it was really hard for me I think it is hard for a lot of people to understand what the, how they fit you know how their personality how their identity authenticity fits within that team dynamic and because you want to like if you're a, a thoughtful person a thoughtful player you want to fit in and then sometimes you shift that yourself to to work in and then your best self doesn't come out and i think that's a lot of a lot of our work sometimes in in mental performance coaching is really coming back to what that is for you so then you can keep moving in the towards the vision that you want um any of that kind of you know, all of, all of it like i don't know yeah. where i mean where do i start yeah. <clears throat> you know where where i i've been thinking a lot about um, who am I and what do I represent? And it's been a really internal, messy conversation 
Um, I've been getting supported by a bunch of different teammates, coaches, therapists. It's just been, it's been a, that question around who am I and how do I show up is in my space right now. And where I'm at with it is my life has been for the most part lived on the edges of intersections. So raised by mom and grandma, uh, absent father, right? So masculine, you know, the masculine presence in a, in a household with two women. Um, I'm biracial, half black, half white. So there's, uh, I was, my skin was always darker growing up in primarily white town, like 95, 98% white. Um, student athlete, you know, I remember there was a point in which I was, I was told by a coach, well, you, you got to pick one, you either be a really good student or a good athlete. And I was like, how about neither? How about both? Like, I'm going to do both. So I always sat on the intersection of, of a lot of these, these, um, kind of the edges of these intersections. And what you learn how to do really quickly in that is you learn how to code switch and assimilate into the environment that makes the most sense. So whether that's a racial context or a gender context, or when you're playing a sport like football, hegemonic masculinity, you learn how to very quickly just, um, you know, fit in, but also you want to stick, you want to stand out. So you want to excel, but you also want to fit in. You have to understand those norms. And I just think now at 26, I'm starting to define truly what my version of leadership is absent of a textbook, absent of my former employer, absent of all the leadership work we did at Yale football. And what does really leadership look like for me? That's a much harder conversation than being able to pick up a textbook and read the definition in there. I love that because it's, it's your experience and you're using it. Tell me if I'm hearing this right. But I, it sounds like you're you're sort of trusting your instincts and your experience in your life to be able to verbalize in a in a more passionate way or a more you know like a, a very true way of how you see leadership. Is that absolutely? Yeah, nailed it. Yeah, yeah. Because because man, like like what you just said with the books, like I I went back to school at forty. You know, and it was really difficult just from the standpoint I had to take like stats and stuff like that. But beyond that, it was, I had this playing career that taught me a lot. You know, I got a lot of wisdom from, from those experiences and, and all the other aspects of my life. But then I go in and I read these books and it's like, oh, is this what I'm trying to learn? Is this how I do this? And that really locked me up for a little bit because it, it went against what I had always learned and I, and I wasn't able to do what you were saying, just kind of separate those things or be on the, that intersection. I like that a lot, by the way, the, the intersection of those two things and then how to tease them apart, put them together, use them however I could use them to then coach the way I want to coach. That was, that was a really difficult thing for me. And it, it, I'm still sorting it out, but I think I, I'm able to trust myself more now. And it sounds like you have hit this point in your career now where you're figuring that, or I think it sounds like you've been figuring out a lot sooner than whatever I ever did. <laughs> I'd say, I'd say I'm in process. Yeah. I mean, we all, we all are right. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, but you know, I, I'm, I'm really trying to, what I'm calling embrace the mess and like sit in this and the metaphor I've been using for like, just to, to, to be able to like ex to explain my experience is I feel like right now I'm in quicksand and there's like two ways to try to get out of quicksand. You could try to fight your way out of it and we know what happens. You sink farther and deeper in, or you can 
sit in it and observe it and see what comes up and not fight. Excuse me. And my normal reaction is like goal oriented guy, pretty type A, like, let me go, you know, find the destination, find the vision, go attack. And I think the opportunity is actually to sit in it. So I'm trying to embrace my own mess right now of everything happening internally. Uh, And I'm learning, you know, I'm learning a ton. And I'm not out of the mess yet because I haven't learned everything that the mess has, like there is for there is to learn there. Like there's still more there, and that's the reason why I'm still there. So I just got to keep sitting in it right now. And it's like it's like holding the plank when you're at like the two to three minute mark, and coach, you know, coach is going to make you go longer, but you're still holding it. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. And I'm I um th- there's more work to do, but trying to fight my way out of it, I don't think it's going to be. It's, I don't think it's going to work. Do you wish you had that perspective when you played? Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's there's a there's a level there of of surrender and serenity, mm-hmm. and, and embracing adversity with with surrender and, and um, allowing the adversity to be the journey. Like you could say, adversity is your advantage. It's not my advantage yet. Like I'm not at the point yet of leveraging it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the adversity right now, the mess of it right now, is actually that is the way. The obstacle is the way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whether it was an ACL injury or, um, not getting captain or, you know, some of the breakdowns that I had in college, I absolutely wish that I had that, that approach then mm-hmm. at that point. As men, we try to fight that. We try to fight the adversity for as long as we can until we can't anymore, because there is a time when you're just not, you just can't because whatever game it is, I don't care what it is, what game it is, you're going to be humbled and you're going to be humbled often depending on the level that you get and the, the higher level that you get, you're just going to keep getting humbled and set back. And the more you fight it, the worse it gets for you. And it, it's really interesting that that's like one of the hardest lessons for young men to learn because that's the way they got to point a or whatever it is. Um, it's it's a practice in ego too, right? Like mm-hmm. there's um, a big again, like identity and masculinity is a really again. What does it mean to be a man right now? Um, and there's the the societal definition around well, to to be a man means to be a fighter, right? To um, always have your your shit on lock, uh, to be stoic in the face of adversity. Uh, we could we could keep we could keep you know cranking these out but ultimately it comes down to like protection of ego. And usually ego is protecting you from something. Mm-hmm. And what that is, is, you know, it's, it's, to the individual. Um, but like, I mean, my ego has been getting bashed recently because I've been challenging the status quo of what does it mean to be a man in this paradigm that I was, I was raised in or that I, I kind of came up in. Mm-hmm. Um, so one, thanks for, thanks for, thanks for the acknowledgement and, and, um, you know, and two, I think the the lesson in that is is, uh, you know, when do you when do you start to choose to rewrite your own scripts and allow yourself to live from the place the standards that you set versus the expectations imposed by somebody else? Mm. Yeah, <sighs> the sooner we can figure that out, the better. It's it's just so difficult. Like I have the I feel like. I'm sure you have these conversations quite a bit, but when you turn the page of that new chapter in your book, because you want to, 
I don't even know if that's the right analogy, but it just seems like we want it to go a certain way, but it never goes a certain way. Unless you flow with it, right, or or let go, and and just sort of embody the the change and the obstacles and turning them turn them into the new you and let that create your wisdom. Well, let me let me throw some back at you if that's that's cool. Bring it. You know, in, in your moments of of mess that you've gone through, right, and and whether it's your playing career or in your life, what have been those pillars of support? that you've leaned on in those times in the times of of when you know adversity of you know lack of direction of mm. those messy messy times in your life yeah I, that's why i do what i do because i didn't really have that and yeah. Yeah. i mean i guess you could say like you know when you're a kid you know you have family or or whatever but if we're talking more of like an advanced version of, you know, me as a human, that would, that was really difficult to find that. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's why I want to do what I do and, you know, walk, just kind of walk alongside people and help push them back into that lane that they want to go in. I heard you say something on a podcast about, <clears throat> I think your mission statement or your vision, or I can't remember what the exact question was, but um, creating more freedom or more experiences for uh, people to be free. And I was like, that dude stole my thing. Cause I love that, but right. I think you probably got it before me, but um, I heard, I heard that from uh, another podcast, like a mindfulness podcast about um, expanding the number of experiences in which you're free. And it made a lot of sense to me because that's all we really want, I think, is to be free from anxiety, from doubt, guilt, shame, expectations. I think, you know what I mean? We want to yeah. we want to just be us and grow into us with freedom. And that's why I love what we do. I, I just, it's so, like, what else... It's the coolest job in the world. I might even I might even put a comma on that and add it's actually you know it what what if it was not about being free of but being free to. Right? Yeah. Not being free of right. guilt or free of anxiety, but free to experience whatever it whether, whether it be emotion or, you know, circumstances or relationships. Cuz cuz a friend of mine challenged me the other day and he said you know, I started living my life um, in order to try to experience things versus trying to be happy. Cause a lot of people will say the meaning of life is happiness. And like, I've always, I've always, I've struggled. Like I've struggled with that. I'm like, that doesn't, doesn't land with me versus like to experience the full range of colors of emotions, of perspectives of so on and so forth. It's a, it's a far more um, diverse and palatable way to live when you're trying to actually experience things versus so freedom to experience versus freedom um, free of those, those specific mm-hmm. things. And that to me is like, that's, a, that's a super powerful way to go about life. Yeah. The colorful thing is really resonating with me when you just said that. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I want to experience all of that. Yeah. We'll see what's out there. And that means, that means the dark blues of sadness and depression sometimes. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And without, you know, Brene Brown talks about it, but 
without we're non-selective in our emotions without the sadness there is no there's no opposite you know the paradox of that is the happiness so your your ability to fully de- like move into and um embody what sadness is also the same of your ability to do the other like the other side of the spectrum mm-hmm. and that that's been the pursuit of that has been extremely i mean for, it, it's been super challenging like that's what i've been i've been trying to tap into you know especially over the last year for me and that's been that's a whole gauntlet <laughs> mm-hmm. grateful for it but it's a gauntlet yeah um i kind of want to downshift here and go Please. go to your work with uh the mccurstall group yeah and uh, go ahead and tell us what that is first of all before i impart not <laughs> me pretending to know what that is <laughs> So McChrystal Group is a, a leadership consulting organizational management firm uh, based in right outside Washington, Virginia. And it, it it pulls from the military philosophy and the lessons learned from General Stanley McChrystal, who's a four-star, um, and he commanded JSOC, the Joint Special Operations Command, kind of all your, your top-level uh, military special forces. And the lessons he learned in Afghanistan and Iraq, uh, really during the height and the peak of the, of the war. And this a whole idea of decentralized communication, decentralized, or I should say, um, decentralized leadership and pushing empowerment down to the lowest, lowest appropriate level. And what does leadership look like when you're really pushing power in a, in a non-traditional way? We typically think of leadership like a triangle and what happens when we flip that on its head. And basically the, the lessons learned there ended up um, taking that to corporate and building out and consulting from around it. It was an awesome experience. Hmm. I don't know why this question popped in my head, but can you define leadership? I can't for me. Okay. Uh, (laughs) I can't, I mean, based on the book, leadership is influence. Leadership is uh, moving a team towards a desired goal or outcome. Yeah. Um, What is it? What is it? What does it mean to you personally when you think about it? This is a curiosity question. I'm because you just said something, you know, what you said there about the McChrystal group. Kind of spark that, like that—that that is sort of a hard. If someone asked me that, I don't know if I would be able to give like a very clear definition. I, there sounds like there's an obvious answer to it, but I don't know if it's that obvious, and if it's always the same definition to who you're talking to, right? Like, yeah, is leadership. If I'm talking to a, you know, I think it looks different to different people, or different groups. And at different stages of your life and at different um, roles in your organization. Yeah, yeah. Like working with a mid-level manager, leadership looks very different than working with a CEO Mm. versus an individual contributor. Very different. Mm -hmm. Um, Leadership for me is, you know, I actually, I I put the word in front of it, like love-based leadership, Mm. right? And leadership for me is when we determine where our objective is, we put a flag in in the ground. Here's where we're going. From a place of leader and from a place of love, when people inevitably stray from the path or stray from our our flag, <laughs> it's my job to go get them. And mm. what I wish that again, and where I wish I had this perspective in, in in college, when you're when you're working like peer to peer, peer to peer leadership, I think is always the most difficult. When you're working peer to peer, going and kicking somebody's ass because they're they strayed off path, 
is not comfortable nor fun in any way. And if I'm doing it from a place of love, because I know how great you are, Adam, and I just need to remind you how great you are. I need to remind you of what our objective and our task is. Me kicking your ass is like the most loving ass kicking. But like without love and without that, that front phrase of love-based leadership, it just, you know, it becomes almost dictatorship, right? Like I'm just going to berate you to get to our point. <laughs> is it? I, okay, so I'm having a hard time thinking about love-based leadership with Stanley McChrystal. Yep. How did, was that you or was that something that that group came up with? That's, that's me. And I'd say he represents that and embodies that in every way. Wow. Okay. He's, what, what's awesome and the thing that I consistently, I, I, um, I'm grateful for him. He's a, he's a, he's a, a mentor. He's a friend and he's also a boss and a coworker. Um, the thing that I respect so, so much about John McChrystal is he is the same person on camera and in the book that he is in real life. So when he talks about the importance of relationships, like he even has a way that he says relationships. I can't, I'm not going to copy him on, <laughs> on, on audio right now, yeah. but like, he's got a way, like they mean so much to him mm. and the people that he's, he chooses to surround himself with are people that he's got deep relationships with. So for him, leadership is about like leadership and relationships go hand in hand. So love is part of the equation. The, the surrounding p- yourself with people that you love and care about, man, I, I think we could go way down a rabbit hole there. Uh, I don't even know what to do with that because you can't do that when you're, when you're a performer because you're, fo- you're forced to be with people that you may not necessarily hold it within your, your tight circle. And you see that with people that are the elite of the elite. You see that group, you see people really close off and they tighten that group to around a few people that they really trust. Um, you you mentioned Brene Brown. She has something where I, it, I think she has people write down like five people that she listened that, uh, you know, she has people do that as an exercise of who are the five people that you will listen to no matter what. Um, and then, then, and then you expand from there. So if those five people tell you something, you better listen. And then you, you expand out of that. There's another 10 people that their opinion does matter. Their thoughts matter, but it's not the same as that five. And then you go to the wider group where it's like, okay, whatever, like, cool. Thank you. But not really going to affect me. Right. And I think you can do that in your personal life. Like I'm really good at that now. (laughs) I've gone through enough where, you know, like, uh, I don't really need that in my life, but I do want this in my life and separating and like bringing the close people in and being with them more often. How, if I'm asking you this, how, how do you I got one for you too? <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> can, can I, yeah, yeah, do, it, do it. When do you go to those, you know, those five people, do you go to them for everything or do you have certain people that you are selective and when you solicit their opinion? Yeah. Emotion. It's like when there's an emotional, something emotionally going on that I go to those people because there's more trust. Those five or yeah. those, those close circle ones. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I might have a different group when it comes to like business or 
yeah, like advancement in my job or something like that. Like, but you know, they're still there. Like, you know, my, my family is in that small group and they help me with all sorts of things. But you know, when it's emotional, emotionally centered, I'll, I'll go to that group immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, just for the trust. Um, so I guess what I wanted to ask you is how, how does that work in your, how you coach? I don't even know if you, this is a part of your coaching. Uh, but like, how do you, how do you talk to people? Man, this goes back to the authenticity part. Do you have, I don't, I don't even know what to ask you right now. Do you have any like (laughs) thoughts on what we're. I'm actually still stewing on something you just said. Like I've been turning it over. Okay. Of. If, you know, and we're, talk, we're talking about love right now, like if our capacity to love is dictated by the number of connections or people that we love, mm-hmm. we're super limited. If our capacity to love is dictated by our capacity to be with people and things, we're actually, we're, we're far less limited. We're actually unlimited. And I, I've been, I've been working to make this shift, right? Where, um, and I was, I use the word love more than most people. I use the word love more than most men. Um, it's one of the words that I identify with of like the qualities that I try to bring to spaces. And when I am love, I can love as many people in the world as there are in the world. When I, when my love, you know, when, when love is dictated by like, you know, Miller's law, I can, I only got about seven people, seven strong ties and strong, strong connections in my life. Then I'm like, then my team is out of the question. Like, I don't, if I'm like, if I'm on a hundred person football team, or if I'm on a X amount of na- man roster, I I only got five to seven boys. Like that's my squad. But like when I choose to be love, like embody it, then I can actually. Then I got a hundred people. I can. Hmm. I can't. I, I, can, I came back to that. I was like, like how do, how do we actually expand our speaking of leadership, equaling influence? How do we expand our influence um, authentically? And it's when we are the characteristic that we're trying to employ or see in others. I, I don't even know what to say. That, that was so well said. <laughs> that, that was, that was bringing that, it out. So that was the best thing I've heard in a long time because you're right. <laughs> you know, you embody it. And almost what I said is like a selfish thing. Like, oh, I'm going to go to these five people, these seven people, and that's it. But there, it's so much more expansive than that if you just are that. And then you thrive off of that energy that you that you get from putting it out there almost. Just sort of thinking, I'm, I'm thinking what you threw, what you just said. And it, I think you're defining leadership and what you do. You know, I, like I asked you like define leadership. I think you just did it. Like that was to me, like that, that made a lot of sense in, in terms of like, yeah, love is, is not something men talk about, but it, everyone knows what it is and they see it. People can see it. And when they, when they feel it and see it, they go to it. And we probably know more so the absence of it. Like from a defense mechanism standpoint, mm, yeah. we definitely know, like when you walk into a locker room and there's no love in the locker room, you know, mm. you know. Yeah. 
And right. we, what do we call that? What do men call that lack of love? Like, it's like, oh, there's not chem or like a good culture oh, here. Or like lack of chemistry here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, we just, you know. Yeah. It's like, that's interesting, but it is love, right? It, it is a love for each other and, and wanting the best for each other without saying love on a team. We do feel that. Yeah, it, it's a. It ends up being like I mean, you could name it whatever: connection, mm-hmm. compassion, empathy, relationships, intimacy, teammateship, partnership. You can call it whatever you want to call it, but at the very core of it, there's this. There's the foundation of, of love. Yeah. However you define what love is, like we know what it what it isn't, but however you want to define it, it's an absence of that. Man, that's that's unbelievable. I'm I'm using that by the way. That's thank, thank you. Please do. Yeah, you know, like I, I I think I don't know why I haven't talked about that more. You know, when I'm when I'm relating this to my own experience in coaching, I don't say that word enough. And it, and it's a word that needs to be said. I don't it not for a reason. It's just you know, like not to try to like make people more vulnerable or have better relationships. I just, it's a word that should be used more. It should be more comfortable. It should be, um, recognized. I think. Yeah. Beautiful, man. What's your, um, what's your mission here? What are you trying to do? Great recess. What does that mean, man? Come on. I, just, I love I the was, teaser. <laughs> just threw it out there. Kind of little worm on the hook. I was just, kinda I was, bring, just, I was just looking at your facial expression. I'm I was swimming. Like, I'm going right towards that hook right now. So set it for me. <laughs> Reel me in. What do you got? Oh, man. So so I was doing this exercise uh, about a year and a half ago. And, um, you know, the coach I was working with goes, Seb, hey, what's your, what's your purpose on this earth? And I, I, you know, straighten up my tie. I, I have my answer on point, man. It was, this shit sounds great. Yeah. You know, it's to lead and serve with infectious passion, positivity, and perseverance <laughs> in order to make this world better than how I found it. Uh, oh my God. I can't imagine you for real. That's what I said. That. Like That's you were straight facing that too. I, you know how, you know how smart I felt when I said that? Oh yeah. You were so locked in on I that. I had it like, memorized. I had it at the top of my Excel sheet. Yeah. Uh, you know, I said it in speeches, like, and listen, it, it does feel it, 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 it like, it still hits something. Like I still like, it's like, yeah, like that's yeah. it. But like, that's me trying to sound smart, yeah, that's right? not real though. Come on, man. <laughs> I love it. And it was great. Like my coach, the same way that I like, I served her just deadpan. She hits me right back. She goes, Oh, great. Seb. Thanks. What would that make available? Oh man. If everybody had that, yeah. you know, if, that, if the world was taken care of in, in that, what would that make available for you? Yeah. What's possible? And I said, oh, shit, I don't have, I didn't think twice. I didn't think past that. You're like, <laughs> Good can one. I just say that other line again, please? <laughs> <laughs> Run that back. Yeah. So, just... so so, we end up, you know, my, my, my teammates are involved and they're helping me out. And I'm like, I don't know, like fun. Like if people, listen, <laughs> like if people are showing up and they're performing at a high level, teams are, are, are playing well, you got people feeling included in their environment. Like, what does that actually make available? You know, it's kind of what we got to. I was like, I don't know, like fun. 
like when when I'm at my best, I'm I'm um, I just did an improv class uh, a couple months ago. I just did my first stand up comedy class awesome. two months ago. Awesome. awesome. And like I love humor. I love laughing. I love like I love um, playing. Like there's there's nothing I enjoy more than watching uh, some like an artist or an athlete do the thing that they do. Like watching somebody on stage, a comedian perform, a dancer dance, um, a, 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 a pitcher pitch, like whatever your whatever your thing is, like watching somebody on their stage is for me like bliss. And she said, "Okay, what do you call that?" And I was like, "I don't know." Recess. Listen, man, I used to run the the table on Connect Four in third grade indoor recess. <laughs> like if if. If there were money to be made there, like all the chips, I would take all the chips, right? Yeah. And and recess is that experience of like, you know, the, the idea of play, Stuart Brown talks about the idea of play, play being purposeless. There's actually not a purpose, right? And so much of my le- my life has been living lived in this idea of like, I'm going to go achieve or do or perform or, or crush, right? Um, and play and recess is actually in a lot of ways the opposite of that, which is something that they normally find when you're doing this exercise. So recess for me is about creating spaces for full self-expression and play. When I'm at my best, I'm creating recess. For the teams that I work with, for myself, um, the clients I enjoy working with the most, I'm like laughing as we're having breakthroughs. Yeah. It's, it's awesome, right? Yeah. So that's, that's why I'm on this earth, man. I'm, I'm, here to, I'm here to have a good time and, and bring people along as I do it. Uh- <laughs> I'm full. Yeah, I'm fully on the boat. You got me. Just take. Yeah, I mean, dude, totally hooked me on that one. That was. Yeah, that was good. I'm all in. <laughs> all in. I'm done. I don't. I don't want to talk to you anymore. This is just. Like, this is really good. Listen, I hope you have a great night and a great yeah. rest of the year. That's yeah, it. for real. For real. I don't. I don't. I'm fully. I. There's nothing else we can. I can say. Like I. You know. I feel like I should just shut up and you can just keep talking. It'd be great. You're, you're giving me all the juice, man. Like these are just your layups. What, so what are you, what are you doing right now then? Like where, so you're working for yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you have a, a name? Like, do you have a name for your company? What is it? It's Sebastian low performance okay. for lack of creativity. But And, and yeah. so what are you doing? So it's a mix of um, of coaching. I'm doing a good amount of one on one work right now, mm-hmm. and that's more more life and leadership. I'm doing some performance coaching where I'm working with some athletes on more of the mental side of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not not classically trained. I have the same background as you. Uh, however, I you know I had a mental performance coach when we were we were at school. So as I was going through the process of learning the tools, I was also implementing, mm-hmm. um, and I also I, you know I had a I had a desire to want to go teach it. I love to be teaching. I love facilitating. So I actually reached back out to my my high school and I started giving doing workshops around mental performance and sports psychology. Same stuff I was learning, same stuff I was reading, a psychology major at Yale. I was taking the stuff and I was repackaging it and turning it into content. So I was teaching myself as I was presenting and, and teaching it. So I don't have the same like classical background than a lot of you know CMPCs do. Um, and a lot of a lot of my I'm pulling right from like my my playing experience. I'm pulling a lot of the things that worked for me, the things that I've learning that I was reading. So all to say, um, doing some kind of more mental performance work. So that's the one on one work. 
Um, and then the two other things I'm really excited about right now is more the training aspect, I'm working with a, a local college here with all the head coaches and some of their assistant coaches on culture development. And we're, we're, we got about a, a semester long program that we're going to be running together um, with a variety of like live training and then some curriculum build, built in there as well. So that's the second thing. And then third thing is I'm doing some diversity, equity, inclusion work, which I didn't, didn't expect or think I'd be like really plan to be in George Floyd hit me hard and different. Um, and what I realized is that I had shied away from the conversation around race being biracial for a good amount, a lot of my life, all of my life. And I was trying to just be black excellence without having to bring it all along, like bring the conversation with me. And what I realized is like, if I'm going to be a coach, right. I got my training. Um, if I'm going to be a facilitator, it's what I did at McChrystal group. I can't, like I'm, I can't walk or run away from this conversation. Like I actually, this is something that I want to own. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm actually, we have an opportunity right now. I'm, I'm working with a few other coaches on this. I'm bringing the idea of inclusivity to the forefront of the legal, the legal world. So I'm working with a law firm right now on DEI training and we're focusing on inclusivity. I think it's the, the, the really the quicker, quickest and most powerful level lever we can pull in the diversity conversation is if we start with inclusivity, you and I can be more inclusive, inclusive in this moment. You and I cannot be more diverse in this moment. Hmm. So from a leadership perspective, I think and now we're going into this, this a little bit, but like there's three different lanes that I see people playing in diversity, equity, inclusion. There's the moral one. Typically the moral one triggers people of right, wrong, privilege, um, reparations. Like there's, you can go into like all the spicy topics from a moral perspective. There's a leadership perspective, which is really where I sit and, and stay the most. Hey, inclusive teams win. Amy Edmondson, psychological safety, the best, te- highest performing teams at Google has the highest level of inclusion. <laughs> like, let's actually, let's actually really be pragmatic about this as well. And that's ultimately where that's usually where I come at it, come at diversity from. The third category is performance. And we know that there's a ton of statistics that talk about the diversity of people on your board, uh, both people of color and gender diversity yield better like performance financial outcomes. Um, so I sit usually right in the middle one around the leadership conversation, but um, bringing that through the lens of inclusion. Hmm. And you take that to, man, I don't even, I think there's this like personal path that you just talked about. I think you kind of brushed over a little too quickly, to be honest, like that, that seems like a really rich conversation there or, uh, realization that you had for yourself that I don't even know where to begin with that. But you know, that, that seems to be like really something got you right there where it was almost like you were denying some part of you or something and you realize that. And now you're taking that. This goes back to our experience, using our experience and our, yeah, our, our life to inform our work. And so you have that personal experience with that, that realization. And then also how you coach that inclusivity and what it means to you. And I, f- I feel like all these things makes for a lack of a better metaphor, like you're light brighter with how you communicate. I think people are attracted to that. That's why I hear about you so much, you know, cause I think you're start, you have been, 
understanding more and more and more awareness about yourself and what things mean to you and you're putting it out there and it's just it's you're just paving this like incredible path or creating a path for people to understand their own understanding about themselves and how they exist in their world or on their team i think that's like a, a really incredible uh I don't know what to say. Like you're, I think you're just really, obviously a really good coach. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. The, um, one of the first things I remember when I stepped into the coaching classroom about two years ago was, uh, you know, they said, okay, please introduce yourself and why you're here. Mm -hmm. And I just remember being like, listen, I'm just here to like, teach me the coaching skills. Like this is an upscale conversation. I have no interest in personal transformation. Um, I was already doing my personal development work. I don't want more of it. I don't need <laughs> yeah. you to tell, listen, right? Yeah. And they kept coming back to the idea that part of coaching is actually putting your stuff, your your all of your stuff on the table, uh-huh. and being willing to be with it, yeah. even when it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Like I think, coach, if you wear the name coach at all, whether it's life and leadership or mental performance or um, pitching coach or like whatever, like it comes back to, are you willing to be with your own so that you can be with others? And over the last two years, I've just been dumping shit in piles mm-hmm. on my table. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I think is, is what I'm willing to do is I'm willing to talk about it. Hmm. And, um, you know, some people call it vulnerability. This for me is, man, I get this. Sh- I'm sharing. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, you're you're embodying love. Yeah. <laughs> you really this is love, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's like I I just uh, that's overwhelmingly what you do. And and from this experience with you right Thank here you. like <laughs> Thanks for the reflection. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm if, if that's if that's um if that's my legacy, like I think legacy's funny, right? Cuz everybody talks about legacy, legacy. Um I'm playing with this idea like legacy is what people in the future um, talk about you in the past, mm-hmm. about how you were in the present, like some like that's kind of about really what it is. Legacy is built in the present is really what I what I come back to come back to. And if that is what you're getting, I'm 100. percent If I if I curl up and I don't wake up tomorrow, I'm okay with like I'm okay with that being the last the lasting legacy. Yeah, yeah and I think more than I think a lot of people feel it. Not just me, man. Like it's. Uh... It's, it's definitely a part of you. So thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. World needs you, dude. I'm, I'm stoked you're out there. Uh, it's really cool to, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to, you know, cheapen what I, what I'm would say right there. I, I just think it's cool that you're out there. So pre- appreciate you doing what you do and, and Yeah. It's mutual. Listen, man, like it's, if, uh, if you're, if you're leading, if you're leading men and you're leading men with influence right now, world's in a good place. So I appreciate all the work that you do. You are in the world. All right. Well, I have a feeling we're going to do this again because we touched on a few things that I need to go back to. (laughs) So at some point we'll have to do this again. Uh, do you have Instagram? What do you got working? Um, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, I probably need to get on TikTok meet all the kids there um, <laughs> LinkedIn Facebook you can find me at Seb little underscore s-e-b-l-i-t-t-l-e I'm on Instagram and Twitter pretty much every day so um, please reach out I'm happy to happy to connect and people should
Cool. All right. We're going to end it. Thank you again. And we'll talk soon. Good man.